to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock, and I think a lot of women think that I am a strong woman because I've built a lot of businesses, but... I think I'm a strong woman because I can outwill a two-year-old. I know. You go, Noni. You got it. You got my name right. I know. I always forget it wrong. But yeah, Yeah. I do think you're strong. Well, I'm Julie Graham. And, you know, I think when I think of myself as a strong woman, I do instantly think of myself in the gym pumping heavyweights because, like, that's a new thing and I love it. Oh, and you're Um, good. You're good at it. Thanks. Thanks. It's just, you know, it's one of my hobbies. Um, But I mean, I also know that other people would look at me and say that I'm strong because I'm you know, currently raising my child by myself and figuring it out day by day. But culturally, what do people think of these days when you want to talk about women being strong? Have you noticed that the conversation has basically become women are strong because women are better and the feminism conversation all of a sudden is on the table and we're saying why that's so important. Yeah, it's almost become synonymous. Strong women and feminism or being a feminist uh, seem to be the same thing. And in some ways they are, in some ways they aren't. But I think the history of it is kind of important, Julie. Please fill me in a little bit. Give me a little synopsis of where the conversation of feminism began, because I get the sense that its original roots and where we are today, there's been a long journey in between. I mean, am I right in that? Yeah, you are right in that. And I think what will surprise a lot of people is when we actually got voting rights was 1919. Before that, women in America could not vote. Um, So, you know, right around 100 years ago. And then in addition to that, in the 1960s, when feminism became another big catchphrase, let me give you some stats on what career paths we could not or were not taking. American doctors, only 6% of them were women. In the 60s, you're saying? In the 60s, in the 1960s, yep. 3% of lawyers were women, only 3%. And less than 1% of engineers were women. So we were looking for opportunities and careers in the 60s. So you're saying original kind of parts of the movement was really for equal rights, um, property rights, voting rights, those kinds of things. And then this last wave was more, um, you know, equality in uh, the workplace and, and pay and all that. And, and then I think the conversation today, I honestly struggle to be able to define what the issues are behind feminism. Um, And we here at the Grit and Grace Project, we care about redefining a woman's strength. And when you say those things, it's kind of assumed that you must then be tooting the feminism horn. You must be on that bandwagon that you want to push that agenda. And so I think in this episode, we kind of want to talk a little bit about what what is the importance of the feminism movement? What is good in it? What right. what can we keep? What can we learn from? What maybe is being blown out of proportion even? Yeah. Okay. So in order to have that important conversation, we wanted to bring in one of our friends. She's a fairly new writer to the Grit and Grace Project. She's a licensed psychologist. And fun fact, kind of going off of what we just said, um, in her field of psychology, she is happy to report to us that it, it is now two to one in the number 
number of female psychologists to male psychologists. So please welcome to the show our friend, Dr. Christina Hansen. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you could come and lend your expertise, but um, your uh, you know professional opinion on this conversation of feminism and whether that really means um, what we would like to think of as a woman's strength. Let me ask you this, Christina. I know we all have different um, experiences in the workplace, and I want to talk a little bit about that. But you coming into the field that you're in, uh, what's what's it been like for you dealing as a woman in what apparently now is not necessarily a men's field, man's field, but it has been? Sure. I think, you know, as I pondered and thought about this topic and preparing for the podcast, a few things that stood out to me was kind of the difference even in, I would say, the last 10 years. Um, I obtained my doctorate about 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And I remember at the time I was getting my doctorate, I was finishing it up. And I had a man say to me, I don't understand why you're getting your doctorate. That's a bit of a waste on a woman's brain. Whoa. (laughs) I bit my tongue. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you did. I'm sure I'd do more than that. Maybe kick him in the shin, but I'm not sure. (laughs) No, I bit my tongue and I, and I thought, let's have this dialogue. So I asked him what he meant by that. And he said, well, aren't you going to stay home and raise kids? And I said, why can't I do both? But yeah, I mean, that was the initial thought about women working, like who's going to raise the children. And now I have a lot of cases where there's dads that are the stay at home dads. And I have a lot of cases where moms are, and I have a lot of cases where Both parents work outside of the home and they do well co-parenting together like my husband and I do. Mm. Um, So it has changed. Um, I definitely, you know, professionally, I share office space with a male and um, he and I work very well together. We're very much equals and um, it goes very well. I couldn't argue with it at all. Would you say you've seen it improve over the last 10 years or it's kind of stayed the same? Definitely improved definitely improved. Yes. I find it interesting too. I know here at this grit and grace life, we do believe that women have all kinds of choices, motherhood, careers, both different times for each or however you want to do it. And I think it's interesting that we are in a place now where I think the options are very much available to us. Do you find that true? Even in your practice that you're seeing that with other women? Yes, I do. I think you know, especially I'm in private practice, so that offers me a lot more flexibility, I would say, to be a mom and a career person. But I do still see um, some of the difficulties, especially when a woman goes out on maternity leave in our country. And I know, like, if you go to Scandinavian countries, they're far more open to men having paternity leave as well. Um, but in our country, it's the mothers who take the leave the majority of the time. And Rarely are fathers allowed to. And I think that's really fascinating and kind of straining for families, quite honestly. I would like to see more equality in that regard, too, because it's a change to the father, too. Maybe not the physical change that the mother goes through in delivering the baby and all that, but there's that bonding period and all of those things that I think the Scandinavian countries have got a better wrap around than we do. In the current climate of feminism, what what is the battle about? What do you think the challenges are in the marketplace, Christina? What would you say? I think the cha- I mean the biggest challenge that I see right now is equality in pay. Mm. That's a big one. Um, I can tell you that 
you know, in talking with my colleagues um, and my male colleagues, they never get asked if they need, if they can negotiate their fees. I often get asked if I can negotiate my fees. And I think that's a big difference. Um, I think the other thing is just, you know, um, I can't remember the actress, but there was somebody who was very vocal a few years back about, um, you know, her pay difference compared to the male actors for a really big movie. And I think that's huge. So I find myself always questioning, you know, am I being paid fairly? Am I being paid equally? You know, um, when I do contracts, should I ask for more money? What shouldn't I ask for? And I consult my male colleagues, you know, what would you, what would you charge for this situation? Um, and sometimes we're dead on and sometimes there are more, sometimes they're even less, but it's just, I don't think even five years ago, that was a conversation I would have had or even thought about that I do now. One thing I do know, cause I did a lot of research actually recently on what the pay disparity really is. Because we talk about that all the time, and I agree it exists. But unfortunately, I think when we approach subjects like this, we use broad strokes. Then it gets into an argument. And I think the feminist movement today says the disparity is 20 22%. If you go industry by industry and job by job, that's not true. If you go women to men, women work in lesser paid positions is what makes it so off. And I think that plays a role in it too. Absolutely. And I think you've got to look at education disparity too, um, where now women are becoming equally, if not more educated um, in fields than they used to be. What we just talked about with psychology, it used to be a male dominated field. And now by 2015, it's a female dominated field. Mm-hmm. Well, about no. that. All degrees right now, uh, women are getting more bachelors and masters and doctorates than men are currently. So that is shifting as well. But the current percentage difference in job to job, if you go position to position, is 7%. Now, that's still a disparity. It is still not the same. You know, it should be equal. Um, But I think for us to have a legitimate argument, we have to come up with the right numbers. So as we enter these more professional careers like you have, it is very important that you do exactly what you did, is find out what everyone in the industry is making and then work for the one, work to get the same, on the same level. And I think the other thing is interesting too. Um, another thing I am is a certified family law mediator. And I've been talking with a lot of my colleagues who mediate, and we talk about kind of the difference in how men and women negotiate and, you know, kind of the stereotypes that go with that, um, with behaviors. And that's really fascinating, too. And how do women advocate for themselves um, without it being considered derogatory or, you know, how do men advocate for themselves without it being considered that they're being dominant. I think that's a very important part of the conversation when we come to feminism. You know, how do we each advocate for ourselves in a negotiation standpoint without being disrespectful to the other one? And I think that that's where the current feminist banner has, in my perception, and certainly I am not, you know, the expert on this, this conversation, but what I perceive as I like to say that I'm a a millennial, but I'm definitely on the outskirts of the age that can call herself a millennial, but whatever, I'm trying to, you know, be forever young or whatever. (laughs) Um, it seems to me that the banner is if you're a feminist, then you're anti-men. 
I do see that in some conversation circles and I see that and I don't see that in other conversation circles. And I I don't believe that's the point of feminism. If we look at it historically and we understand, we look at the history of it and the movements, you know, there's been three movements. They say that we're kind of entering into a fourth movement right now. When we look at the past three movements, it has been for equality. It's not less or more. Mm-hmm. It's not men aren't good. Um, so I, it scares me at the thought of it going to that because I don't think that's fair. I don't think we need to have a role reversal where women are dominant over men. I think we need to be equal because we're made equal. We're just different. We have different strengths and we can complement each other. And I think that's really huge in understanding this. And as we are communicating with other women, with men, with our children, you know, especially our daughters, as we're teaching them and raising them, um, I think that's important that we are equal, not one better than the other. We have strengths and we have weaknesses, both genders. Very true. And I also think that um, I do I do fear this movement that we're in right now because I do feel like there's a lot of it that has an antagonistic stance toward men. And I don't think that you get anything accomplished if your first word is, I'm angry because. And does it, I don't think you can get equality that way. I don't think you can get it from an antagonistic standpoint. Um, and that, that frightens me a little bit right now with the current attitudes. And it almost feels like the attitude isn't as much equality as maybe it has been in the past, where I would agree that those are important things. But it also it's, it has the feeling that we're no longer looking for equality. We're now looking to be seen as better than. Um, I've seen a recent trend hashtag that's coming into use, which is um, the future is female. And sure, obviously, the future needs females. Um, but if the perception is in the future, all we need is females, then obviously that's not even going to last. Literally and physically, <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> well, we can look at that um, from countries who felt that way about men. And then they had procreation issues because they would kill off the female babies but keep the male babies in their families. So um, you're absolutely right. I don't think we can have one gender without the other. Well, and I think we need to, in this conversation, uh, recognize the difference between the genders that is wonderful. I don't, I don't want to be like men. I want to like men, but I don't want to be like them. And I don't want them to be like me. It's not that our talents or our abilities can't be the same. In many ways, they are. But our basic nature, I think, is very different. And I kind of love that. And I've heard you say that we're equal, but not identical. Yeah. Um, and I think that if if we could all just agree that that is beautiful and important and purposeful um, and really just kind of lean into what is special and unique about each gender, couldn't we all just get along? Well, and I think what's unique and special about each partner in a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, we we all bring different characteristics at the table that attract and complement one another. So I think that's huge. My husband definitely has strengths that I don't have and can't even comprehend trying to have. And I have strengths that he can't comprehend having. My history, I'm just going to touch a little bit on my background in that I uh, actually traveled on tour buses where I was the only female on the tour bus or in the auditorium until the doors opened and the audience arrived. And I 
really loved my job and I managed these bands and these the crew that was on the bus. I was their boss. Around I was the when one was this just for context. This was probably the nineties even, yeah, in the nineties. Um and they respected me. I didn't have... Biggest issue I had was if there weren't enough dressing rooms because I was the only female there and we had to figure that one out because these guys were, you know, protective and <laughs> kind and great. But I didn't have the kind of issues that a lot of women did in that industry. I did in other jobs, but in that industry, I didn't. Um, I loved the fact that I could coexist with the other gender in traveling and doing videos and whatever, you know, you just, it was wonderful. And I think that's something I don't want us to lose is that you can work with men and glean from them and them from you and grow together in business or in life. I couldn't agree more. Um, And I think you can be an advocate for women's rights and women being equal and still be respectful of men. I don't think it is a one or or the other. I don't think you have to have one or the other. I work with men all the time professionally, and they're very respectful of me. I do still have some men who maybe will say inappropriate things, and they know me well enough now that I can give them a look, and they apologize, and we move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's you know a couple of men that I won't work with because of their behaviors, um, and they know why I won't work with them. So you know it happens, but I think. You know, it's important that we're cognizant. I also think we've got to talk generationally um, because I think, you know, our fathers and our grandfathers grew up in a different era than um, our husbands and our children are growing up in. You know, I we've got to be careful about that, too. So I had a young lady um, tell me that she thought her grandfather was inappropriate because he smacked her bottom just in passing as a joke because she had done something good. And, you know, it turns out this guy had been a basketball coach for like 25 years. Um, (laughs) So that's natural. Yeah. It was natural to him. But, you know, she went back and talked to him and told him how she felt. And he was like, I did not mean to offend you at all. I love you. Um, It was just total habit. And I didn't think about that. And he actually told her, he's like, thank you for making me aware of that. I've got to be more conscious of that because I could see how that could be disrespectful. And like literally they had a conversation about it. Which I think is wonderful. And she learned. Yeah. So I think it's having these dialogues rather than making these judgments. Um, Let's talk about it. Let's have an open discussion, not a disrespectful, you know, swearing, screw you mentality, but you know, let's talk about it and let's educate each other about what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah, it seems like these days the assumption has become that every man is out to get us and he wants to hurt us and we're going to make sure that comes to light. We're going to bring him down. We're going to shout it from the rooftops. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that's not actually always the case. No, it's really not. Sometimes we just need to have a mature conversation of what we perceived was that in your your actual intent? And if not, that's where it ends. I think we've got to dialogue it. We've got to talk it out and not have judgmental conversations, but open and talk about the experience and your feelings and what was your intent. And, you know, if that was not your intent, um, you know, with degree. I mean, if it's sexual abuse, it's sexual abuse. Absolutely. All this stuff in the gymnastic world, absolutely unacceptable. Mm. But, you know... Um, 
if it's just something that made you slightly uncomfortable and that person doesn't realize how it makes you uncomfortable, either gender, let's talk about it. You know, I read recently that there are some consequences of the Me Too movement that I don't think anybody anticipated. Um, And that is, in some corporations, men and women are being restricted from traveling together now uh, because of the fear of liability, the fear Mm -hmm. of accusations, the fear of things that could be said or done. Yeah. Whether and, whether they actually happen, right? That, exactly. that things could be reported that didn't actually happen. Yeah, there's a vulnerability there and corporations are getting a little concerned for good reason. Yeah. The other thing in the state of Florida, there was a state senator who lost his job because of inappropriate behavior as he should have. Mm. He should have lost his Absolutely. job for what he did. But there was a woman who has her own lobbying firm of other women And she said she no longer can have one-on-one closed-door meetings with senators because they're afraid, and she's going to be losing her business because of it. Yes, I I hear what what I hear you saying is that we need to keep in mind that these movements, although they have power, they also are had they have potential to pull back on some of the opportunities women will have in various work environments because of risk factors, risk assessment. So we are not at all saying that we should not be reporting things. Um, What we actually are saying is we need to keep in mind that when we get caught up in the movement and we make a stand against something that maybe actually wasn't a true inappropriate advance toward you. And if you're not quite sure where the line is on that, I highly recommend going back to episode 14 because we talk specifically about sexual harassment in the workplace. Because When we do blow things out of proportion just to be a part of the movement, we need to recognize that we might be putting ourselves in a position where we're pulling ourselves back from the opportunities we've been fighting so hard for so many years to finally get. Yeah, we've got to understand the generational differences. We've got to understand, you know, um, career differences, all of that and dialogue. I think that is key is just talk about it openly and non-judgmentally, explain to each other how we feel and what our experience is and not make accusations. But I do think a lot of this is good. Um, You know, that there isn't a belief that it's okay to bring a female employee into your office and shut the door and go up her skirt anymore. You can't do that. Mm. Um, Which I think is a huge positive change that needed to happen probably years ago. Um, And unfortunately has only come to light recently. So I think those things are good, but, you know, um, we've also got to be careful to not make accusations or blow things out of proportion where they don't need to be blown out of proportion. For sure. I think part of the issue with this current round of, you know, new wave of feminism is not necessarily even just that it's a new wave, but it's because of the cultural differences and the way people interact. So we're saying some of the ways to combat this inequality that is real and some that is perceived is figuring out how to talk about it. But I think that part of our cultural issues these days is our inability to talk about things. I'd rather just tweet at you something angry and not hear what you have to say back. I just want to attack you and be done and, you know, have my moment of fame without ever actually really trying to figure out what the issues are. And if you're willing to own your issue and apologize and move on. No, I agree. It's a direct communication with the person who offended you, hurt you or otherwise. It's not the passive aggressive. Um, 
post on social media or, um, you know, not directly talking about it. You know, I really hope that's what comes out of this is direct communication. Okay, direct communication. What What is it we should address and what do we just leave alone? Because in the workplace, you, you've got to do your job. You can't be so busy dealing with all this other stuff. You don't get your job done. So what types of scenarios um, do you go to the other person and say enough is enough or I was not comfortable with that? Give me, give me some insights, Christina. Sure. I mean, I think it's important always that we pick our battles. Um, there's a great list out there called the Fight Fairly list, and I often give it to people in marital counseling um, about how to communicate. And the first line of it is to, um, you know, decide if this is worth a discussion or do I need to let it go? And so I think that's a big one. And, and that's based on discernment and that's self-discernment. And, you know, um, if it's something little like, you know, you're walking down the hall and somebody brushed past you. OK, well, process it and think through. Did you know what is somebody else thinking? Did they brush past me because the hallway was narrow? Mm-hmm. Um, was it a wide hallway and they purposely purposely walked into me. I think, you know, we've got to have that kind of discernment. Um, I also think that, you know, you've got to think about what are the ramifications of talking about it? You know, um, when the woman came forward about Matt Lauer, that was huge because, you know, I never worked in New York, but had heard over the years about different things that he had done. And so when it finally came out, my husband was like, oh my gosh, did you hear about Matt Lauer? And I was like, finally came out, huh? Mm. I mean, that was literally our discussion. And, but, you know, she had to sit there and think I could potentially lose my job. NBC could potentially ignore this. Is it worth that? And, you know, it, it depends on each woman's situation. And I don't judge a woman for not reporting something just because of that fear. But in the same token, let's also not report something that didn't occur. I think, you know, with the Me Too movement, we also have a responsibility as women to one, make it known, but two, not to create something that didn't happen. Um, that's part of respecting the other gender. So, you know, I think it's twofold. Um, going back to your question, though, I think the other biggest thing is deciding how does this situation affect others, others in the future, others currently. Um, I recall back when I was in clinicals, working with somebody who um, was very anti-women, I could say, lots of derogatory comments. And um, I became concerned about the other women training behind me and having to interact with him. And so I went to a supervisor and said, look, I want you to understand what's been said to me. And, you know, um, I felt comfortable. I think I probably felt more comfortable because it was a female supervisor. And she brought him in and um, he overreacted and you know, told her that everybody was crazy. But when I did that, a lot more women came forward about what had happened to them. And eventually he admitted it. He honestly went for help um, and worked through things in therapy, which was good, especially since he was a therapist. Um, (laughs) And, you know, this was a really positive experience. And I don't think many women get this experience. But several years later, um, he found me on social media 
And he friend requested me and I avoided it forever, probably because <laughs> I have a little passive aggressive in me too. Um, <laughs> and so then he sent me a message just thanking me. He said, thank you. You know, you don't realize that you honestly made me a much better therapist by calling me out on what I was doing. Okay, so we've, we can talk about the ones who have um, put it, obstacles in our way or made our lives difficult. Christine, have you had men in your career that have mentored you, that have helped you, that have uh, walked beside yeah. you to help you become more of what you have become? Absolutely. Absolutely. My supervisor for my postdoc residency um, is probably one of the most brilliant psychologists I've ever encountered. He's absolutely brilliant, um, Dr. Bob Silver. And I'm forever grateful for his training, especially in the area of family law. He he stands out to me because nothing would ruffle his feathers. Nothing would excite him. I mean, some super crazy cases would come up to his office and he was always like, okay, how are we going to deal with it? And I'm like, do you not see how crazy this is? <laughs> I know. What are we going to do? You know, and he just, he was knowledgeable and just really good at what he did. That's great. And I think we need to remember that when we're really frustrated with the men that are doing all the things that we don't want, we need to remember the good ones who have really taught us, helped us, encouraged us, believed in us when other men or women maybe did not. The conversation has become, you know, that the men are bad. And all of them are, which is just just not true. And it ignores the fact that there are plenty of not so great women out there as well. The other thing you mentioned just a little bit ago, Christina, is that uh, in the Matt Lauer scenario, it was common knowledge. And how many times recently have we heard, oh, well, yeah, everyone knew that Harvey Weinstein, everyone knew that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If mm -hmm. everyone knew that, these are powerful people, absolutely, in their position, at their place of time, they were powerful people. But who's going to step up in the everyone and say, enough, mm -hmm. enough of this. We're not going to let it be common knowledge among our peers and not make it common knowledge to the people who can make a change. And I think it takes a strong woman to do that, and sometimes a strong man to do that, depending on the situation. For sure. Well, let's see. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, feminism moving from the original issues, which let's just summarize the original issues were fighting for equal property rights, voting rights. Um, the most recent back in the 60s was what? Career opportunity, okay. career opportunity, education opportunity. And so now today, maybe the issue is really trying to um, more equality and pay and uh, power, for lack of a better word. Um, where, where does this grit and grace life and where does the grit and grace project kind of agree with the tenets of feminism today? Because we, we don't want it to be perceived that we're saying it's all bad. That's not what we're saying. We're saying we do want to see women supported. And I know you love the word empowered, <laughs> <laughs> empowered for lack of another available word. Um, but that we truly believe that men and women are equal and just not identical. Would you say that's a summary, Dar, of where we would stand? I would. And, you know, I think the thing that feminism has always held, and I would say, I believe in the tenets of feminism. I believe in equality. I believe that 
men aren't any better, more talented, more able than women, and women aren't either. Mm -hmm. I think that we should approach um, each gender as equal. It's just when it starts getting antagonistic or when it starts uh, defining who we're supposed to be because we're that empowered woman, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden I pull away from it. That doesn't just because I hold to equality doesn't mean I have to get a doctorate or not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I have to be a stay-at-home mom or not. It doesn't mean that I have to fit into some box. It means feminism to me means choices. It means I am strong enough, courageous enough, and able enough to make my life choices. I think that to me right now, I think the problem is what what is interpreted as crossing lines. Opening a door for you is respectful. True. So it's like, if you don't open the door, that's fine. If you yeah. open the door, fine. Yeah. If you open the door and grab my butt, not fine. The end. <laughs> right. If you don't open the door and grab my butt, still not fine. <laughs> All right. I think we've just got it. Yeah. We should just make sure this episode is heard nationwide and we will have solved the crisis. Absolutely. Oh, if only it were that easy to solve. And we certainly didn't think having one episode where we discussed some of the issues that are part of the feminism conversation that we could solve it. But we also do want to be speaking to issues that are important to women. And because here at This Grit and Grace Life, we care about um, redefining a woman's strength. It is important for us to clearly, you know, shout from our rooftop that we love women and we love men. And we believe that both are incredibly important and unique and equal. And so we thank you so much, Dr. Hansen, for joining us on this episode. We think your your um, input into this conversation has been incredibly important as we talk through more issues that are important to women hoping to live a grit and grace life. So thank you so much. Thank you. It was an honor. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.